Well, good evening to one and all, and so good to see so many new faces tonight. <clears throat> I think I owe it to you just to very briefly tell you where we've been and where we're going. And the topic for the week was life trusting in God. And it's based very largely on the first two chapters of Colossians, the letter to the Colossians. So the first day, first in the evening, we, uh, we thought what this means to live life trusting in God. <clears throat> then the second night, we had some thoughts about trusting God for restoration and revival. And we discovered that restoration and revival go together. When we are restored, we are revived. And so tonight we come to day three out of four and we are going to look at some of the teaching about trusting God for holiness. We turn to Colossians chapter one and verse 27 and this is what we read. To them, that is to God's chosen people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I find it immensely challenging and very comforting to realize that God loves sinners. So that includes me. And when we turn to Colossians, we begin to see the glory of grace in the life of believers. We read this, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's you and me, to make known to us the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He goes on to say in verse 28, we proclaim him. Jesus, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And that's Paul's aim in this letter that he's written to the people and to the church in Colossae, to present every believer fully mature in Christ. Now, the words fully mature can also be translated as complete or perfect. It's a common error to imagine that we ourselves can somehow become perfect by our own efforts. We think that by setting and keeping rules for behavior, by following certain patterns of living, that will make us better people. And we then imagine that this somehow makes us holy people. We consider that this is what the Bible means by sanctification or consecration or holiness. We may be wrong. A better understanding of the word sanctified is that it means to be set aside for God. It means to be available for God to use. It's the contact with God which makes that which is set aside holy. In Exodus 29, we see that this was the basis for everything used in the tabernacle. It was the basis for every person who ministered at the altar 
or in the tabernacle. They were set aside for God's service and in that way became holy. So, as we give our lives over to God, cleansed in the blood of Christ, we are in effect sanctifying them. As God touches and uses those lives, they become holy. God says, you must be holy even as I am holy. He is saying, give yourselves completely to me for my use. Righteousness is another word that's also used in scripture in this context. Is this the same as holiness? According to Paul in Romans 6 verse 19, righteousness leads to holiness. Scanning the scriptures regarding righteousness, we see that righteousness is both a condition and an activity. Holiness is a state of being to which we aspire but it's also the end product of grace. We are made righteous by the blood of the eternal covenant. That is our condition in God's sight. We are as clean as the blood of Christ can make us. We are made righteous. We cannot make ourselves righteous. We read in Romans 5 verse 17, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. As we learn to trust God for holiness, we shall see how totally dependent we are on Jesus for our growth in grace and righteousness. There's a verse that tells us about this in John, in John's first letter. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And this is how we learn to depend on Jesus for our growth in grace and righteousness. In chapter two, of Colossians verse 2, Paul sets out his purpose in proclaiming Christ in more detail. His aim for the believers has four parts, that they may be encouraged in heart, and that means comforted, it means strengthened, that they may be united in love, protecting, caring, carrying each other's burdens, jealous, for the body of Christ. He says that we are always to be prepared because he will make us ready. He says all this because he says, this I tell you, so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding and in order that they may know Christ, the Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Peter in his first letter, chapter three, verse 15 said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He 
He wants them to know Christ. He wants them to know the Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is the key to the aim of holiness for all believers. His teaching and ours is to reveal such treasure. This being his aim, Paul gives directions by which we can achieve that aim in perfe of perfection in Christ, the holiness without which no one can see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. In verse 6 of this chapter, he says, so then. In effect, he is saying, therefore, he is answering the question, how? How do sinful people become perfect? How do weak people become strong? How do we achieve holiness? And the answer, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Here is a picture of a daily personal revival as we draw on him for new life. Paul pictures Jesus as a good, well-watered soil. Into this soil, we, his people, have been planted and having begun to grow, we are now urged to continue. Rooted in Jesus, faith reaching down into him. This is based on John chapter 15, where Jesus talks about the, the vine and the growth. So we're rooted in Jesus, but we're also built up in Jesus. Faith reaching out with him. We submit ourselves to him, to prune us. That means to clean us, to take away that which is no, no use to us, that which is not helping us to grow. He takes it away. We're strengthened in Jesus. Faith matures in him, bearing fruit. And thus we are made whole, complete, perfect in him and wholeness completeness and perfection is holiness and there is the heart of sanctification because in all of us lurks the shadow of the old life how do we learn to live a new life in an old body a body which has old habits a body which retains old cravings so many Christians think that self-effort is the answer. Others make up excuses for their state of mind. Some spend years reading books to find an answer. I know, I've been there. We used to read books called Holiness. And all they told us that was that we were not holy. We read books about the, uh, the Christian life and how to be an overcomer. But we read the books, but we didn't overcome. But the answer is already there for us. He says, as you received Christ Jesus, continue to live in him. As we discover the old life making an appearance in us, there is only one direction we can move. We go to the cross. We're reminded that our old life was crucified with him. And therefore, 
we confess at the foot of the cross our sins, our frailty, our weakness, our desire for that which is not of Christ, and the blood which saved us once continues to save us now. As the blood cleanses us, the Spirit fills us, and we are holy once more. The gentle checks of the Holy Spirit point out the old life, point to Jesus, the author of a new life. And all this flows from the cross of Calvary. How well did Paul summarize this life of holiness when he said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. And how truly did he pray when he said, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. That was in Paul's letter to philosophy, the first letter to Thessalonians in chapter five. So we see that the way to holiness is not through self-effort, it is through Jesus. Amen. We began by receiving him, depending on him for salvation. Now we continue to depend on him for life and for wholeness and for holiness in life. Can anything stop this growth? Now it has begun. If a plant is uprooted, the growth will stop. Therefore, Paul inserts a warning, a warning against the dangers of deviation from the truth, the error of following hollow and deceptive philosophy, of being diverted from trusting Christ to thinking in the ways of the world, of trusting men rather than Christ. Here are some of the ways that our faith can be uprooted, uprooted and in many of these I've learned them by experience. There are those hollow and deceptive philosophies that are to, be, are to be found even in the Christian church. Many of them start with Christ and then move on in other directions and in their own strength. There's this prosperity theology, which offers Christ plus riches. But when we have Christ, we don't need a plus because he is all in all to us. Then there's the philosophy of fiction, which takes obscure semi-Christian history and turns it into bestsellers, books which make their authors richer, but their readers poorer, which lead the unwary into fatal error. And then there are those who claim that as Christians, we shall not be ill. If we are ill, then it is a sign of lack of faith. These are all distractions from a cross-centered faith. Most of today's errors came from the basic heresy that we need Jesus plus something else. Because of that, they do not lead us to holiness of life. But if Jesus, by his obedience to death and the shedding of his precious blood, has satisfied God then he surely can satisfy me. I no longer need anything else. I am 
complete. I am satisfied in Christ. So Paul goes on to assure believers that Jesus is all we need for our growth in righteousness. In verses 9 to 15 of that second chapter, we are given four reasons for such assurance. One, in Christ alone, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Verse 9, anything else is worthless by comparison. We have been given fullness in Christ. What else could we want? Fullness is completeness. We are complete in him. We used to sing in the conferences a song which had the chorus line, complete, complete, complete in him. Secondly, he is the head over every power and authority. There's none greater. God has exalted him to the highest place. He has given him the name that is above every name. We do not go on from Jesus. We go on in Jesus. Three, we've been buried with him and raised with him as our baptism signifies. But this is not empty symbolism. This is a fact based on the power of God revealed in the resurrection of Jesus. In our salvation, God made us alive with Christ. He did so by removing the sin that separated us from God. He nailed the accusation that stood rightly against us to the cross. He took it away from us and he bore it, bore it himself. In so doing, he made a public spectacle of those who would condemn us by disarming them. And now in Christ, we are justified. We are no longer accounted guilty. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So now we live in a different environment, the environment of heaven. We may have our feet on the ground, but our head and our heart are in the heavens. In other words, we are set apart from the world to serve God in a new and a living way. And that is known as sanctification. And sanctification requires that we no longer live in the way that those without Christ live. I love that verse. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to learn daily to walk with Jesus. We need to give in to him and not to our own wishes and wants. It doesn't take much to spoil our walk with Jesus. In the Song of Solomon, it says that the little foxes spoil the grapes. And you know, Little sins are just the same as big sins because they spoil our fruitfulness. And instead, we become frustrated. And so the thought for today is that Jesus is 
our salvation. Jesus is our holiness. Jesus makes us complete, complete in him. So may the Lord continue to bless us as we walk this way, as we seek to be God's holy people. Amen. Amen.